we are, uh, we're in this series called Difference Makers. And it's be, for a specific reason. We got together and said, I want to teach through this series. And it's, it's not some crazy, complicated, secretive thing. The, the reality is, is we want to teach this series because each of us, you all, me, you, each of us are difference makers. You are, you are a difference maker. And sometimes I just wonder if we don't see ourselves that way. And we're like, why don't we, why don't we walk through a series? Why don't we teach on some of this stuff to help open our eyes to the truth that I believe is already there for each and every one of us? You know, John 13, we read this passage a lot in this church, a lot in this church, because it's a big passage in the New Testament. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you. So he's saying, I want you to do this. This is a big deal, right? And, and this is to his followers, which means it's also to, to us here. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So Jesus is essentially telling each of us, you know that profound way that you've been loved? You know that thing that has made its way into your life and into your heart and breathed life and light into you and opened you up in tremendous ways? That thing that's made a difference for you? I want you to be that same thing for the people around you. I want you to love people in that extraordinary way, which means, friends, that you are a difference maker. You see that? Whether you realize it or not, whether you know it or not, whether you walked in here understanding, like you, you just are. There's this love that's made its way to you and that's yours to, to love people in. You're a difference maker. Or consider this. One of the last things that Jesus says to his followers, which anytime you get to read like the last words type of moment for somebody, it's, it's usually a big deal, right? You pause, you lean in. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus came to them, his followers. So like us too, we get to hear this same thing. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So I have all authority. And, and here's what I want you to know as a result. He says, so go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So this is Jesus saying, guys, the great mission of our lives is to go and keep loving more people into the acceptance, freedom, love of Jesus Christ. This is, this is you loving people the way that Christ has loved you in a way that has transformed you, that's opened you up in relationship to him in this, this powerful way. And go, go and fold people into the story of God. Go let people know that they're a part of a larger story to love a world and be loved in, in this extraordinary way. Go, go let them know. And so each of us, whether we realize it or not, they're, you're a difference maker. Right? Each of us has this propensity to make a difference because think about that story. If, if Christ in any way, shape, or form has made his way to you, if you know what that love is, if that's opened you up to the, the realization of grace and just the power of what it is to have faith in Christ with you in your life, think of the difference that that has made in you, right? Think of what that's done. And now turn and just look outwards and recognize this is Jesus saying, you know that same thing? I want you to be my agent in doing that very same thing. I want you to be the active ingredient, so to speak. And and not just your life, but other people's as well. And so each of us are difference makers in some way, shape, or form. But I wonder if you see yourself that way, right? I wonder if when you look in the mirror, if that's actually what you see. If not, you're in good company. I understand what that's like. You know, several years ago, I think it was 10 years ago now, a group of people in our church, they uh, went to Central Asia. We, we were partnering with some global workers in a country in Central Asia that was almost exclusively Muslim. And it's a, a closed country, which is why I'm not sharing the name with you, uh, where Christianity is, is really, you're not allowed to like 
come in and share faith with people or any of that type of stuff. It's, it's very closed. Uh, and yet a group of people here were invited to come and partner with one of the workers that we were partnered with and supporting there. And so it was a group of young professionals and they were going to go work with young college students and young, young people in their twenties that were trying to start businesses and trying to do some stuff. And it was basically just a group of people in our church saying, here's what we've learned. Like here, here's some of the things that we've done and maybe we can partner and, and help and, and do all of this. But at the end of the day, we just really want you to know Jesus absolutely loves you. Like that's, I, I want you to know that Jesus absolutely loves you and, and that there's like a relationship with him that, that's changed my life and changed your life. And I, I would love for you to know that, but would, you know, went to partner in leadership and they were over there and they thought, man, you know, it'd be cool. It'd be cool if we would invite some of these people to actually come to Casas too. And maybe we could host them as like a workshop or a, a leadership type of a thing for some of these young business professionals globally. And, and we could learn from each other and do some of this. And so they did. And they, they invited these people and they bought plane tickets and people came here. And they, they immediately were like, well, we need guest speakers and people to, to come be a part of this. So they went to Glenn and said, hey, Glenn, we'd love it if you'd be a part of this. Like, would you, would you be willing to, to teach and share what you've learned about leadership and just what it's like to be a young professional person trying to make, you know, in, in the workplace and, and with family and all the things. Like, would you share that? And he said, sure. And they went to a couple other people. They went to Scott Brennan, who was our outreach pastor at the time and said, would you be willing to do the same thing? And he said, yeah, that sounds like an amazing opportunity. And they went to me and I said, no, I did. I was like, um, no, no, I don't think so. Like I, you know, let me think, no, I don't think so. And I tried to like politely say no, you know, when you're uncomfortable with saying no, but you say no, this is what it was for me. And I didn't tell them this, but here's what was going through my head at that moment in time. I'd only been working with adults as I saw it for about a year at that point. I'd been a youth pastor, a high school pastor for about six years before that, who, by the way, worked with lots of adults. I just never thought of it that way. And so I, I just, that was, I was like, guys, I've only been working with adults like for like a year now, you should be talking to me. Like I should be taking you out to lunch and be like, what have you learned? What do you know? Tell me all the things. Like I, I would like, why are you asking me to, to teach any of these people or to share any of this stuff? Like I, I, I'm the wrong guy. Like Glenn, that was a great choice. He's been trying to lead this church as a senior pastor and do a bunch of different things through transitions of leadership and all this stuff. I mean, man, that there's a lot of great stuff he could share there. Scott Brendan, man, he's partnered with leaders all over the world. He was our outreach pastor at the time. He's partnered with leaders all over the world and, and has done so many different, like, man, he's a great person to ask. Why would you, uh, that's not me. Like, why would you ask me? I'm not talented or qualified in that particular way. And this wasn't even like, cause I have really low self-esteem. It was me just looking at me like, I think you got the wrong guy. Like, I just don't think I have that skill set or understand. No, what's crazy is I look back on that and I had been leading a, a pretty large ministry at that point in time for like six years through all kinds of crazy things, ups and downs with big volunteer base and all these people and stuff. And had, had learned through so many hard moments. Like if, if you were to ask me now, like there was tons of things that I think I could have shared about saying, I don't know everything, but here's some of the things I've learned along the way. Here's some of the ways we could partner. I could have shared some of that, but I didn't. I said, no. Never told them that either. So if you're in here, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I did. I, I said no. And it's because I just thought, I, I don't think that's me. I'm not the difference maker you're looking for. That's somebody else. Do you ever feel that? Right? When you look at your own life, do you guys know what that moment is like? You ever look around you and you think to yourself, other people, they're making a great difference. And I love that. That's awesome for them. And they are. And I'm so grateful I have them. But when you stand and you look at yourself in the mirror, like that word never, you never think difference maker. That's me. 
You never own that peace for yourself, right? You ever look at people around you and you think, man, God is really using them to love people in extraordinary ways. And I am so thankful that they're here because those people really need love. Kudos to you. That's amazing. Like, I love that because that's the kind of people that God makes a difference in. But that's not me, right? I don't see myself that way. Or, and this is what was always tough about trying to read the Bible. For, I used to get frustrated with the Bible where I'd be like, God, what about all the other people? Right. And the reason I'd ask that question is because I'm like, there's all these these amazing humans in the Bible. Like I go to the Old Testament, I read about Abraham or Moses, right, who goes in and like overturns an empire. Almost, I mean, crazy stuff. And I read about King David, who is this like amazing figure, Esther, who who does something absolutely extraordinary. And then I get to the New Testament, right? That's just the Old Testament. I get to the New Testament, like there's these amazing apostles and leaders, and like Peter, man, he. He was like the rock for the church. And John, man, he expressed his love in this powerful way and and led in this extraordinary way. And Paul, Paul was like this relentless leader. I mean, he is a difference maker. And then I stand and I looked in the mirror and I'd be like, but that's not me. You ever feel that way? Where you're just like, yeah, there's difference makers and so good. And, but that's not me. I'm not that person. Do you ever feel that way in your job? Man, yeah, there's a lot of people doing important things, but I'm stuck here. I'm just in this. You ever feel that way in your family? Man, there's a lot of families where I just look and it's like, wow, they're doing such good stuff. Or man, there's, they're really making a difference as parents or kids or whatever. And you're like, but that's, I mean, we're just like, you know, we love Netflix. I don't know. Like, what do you do? Right? And you just have these thoughts where it's like, that's, that's them. That's those people. That's not me. I think we struggle with this idea that perhaps we, in fact, are difference makers. And so I think sometimes I say something like this to you guys. And some of you are like, yeah. And others of you are like, I mean, that's fun. But, but it doesn't sink. And I just, I, I really do. I want it to sink. And, and the reason why is because the, what, what a church really is, is a church is a group of people who've been so changed by the love of Christ that they've gathered together for a larger mission and a larger purpose to say, man, there's something in us that can't just stay with us because it's too good for the world not to experience the love and the beauty and the grace of this thing. So what would we do if we banded our lives, ourselves, our own, us as individuals together to do something larger than any one of us could do ourselves? By nature of you just being here and being a part of this thing, friends, you are a difference maker. By nature of the things Jesus says to you and about you, you are a difference maker. But it's hard to see ourselves that way sometimes, isn't it? So I just recognized with today's message, some of us don't know where to start, right? And what I'm not saying is you're gonna go change the world and do something absolutely extraordinary and put all the pressure and weight on you to do that thing. I mean, kudos to you. God could do that. But, but I'm not trying to put that pressure on you, whether it's the smallest of things or the largest of things. I just think some of us are probably standing here in this place where we recognize, okay, maybe I'm a difference maker, but I don't know what that is or what that looks like or even what my next moment is. And you're wondering where to start. So for today, I just want to challenge us, challenge us with this. And it's start by letting God make a difference in you now so that you can make a difference in someone's life later. And when I say later, I'll be really clear. I don't necessarily mean like 20 years from now, there's going to come a moment, although there could. Later is 10 seconds from now, guys. Later is a minute from now. Later is later this afternoon. Later is tomorrow. Later is later this month. Later is later this year. Later is any time that isn't right now in the future, right? And all I'm trying to say is you are a difference maker. I believe God's going to bring people your way that are your opportunity to love and make a difference in their life. But in the meantime, between now and then, if you're wondering, but what do I do? Where do I start? Just start here. Start by letting God make a difference in you now 
so that you can make a difference in someone's life later. What I want to do is this morning, I actually want to look at the life. Uh, it's a couple snapshots out of the life of David, right? And I know I mentioned him earlier. He's this difference maker. He's a prolific king. To this day, David is probably the favorite king of all of Israel. Like when, when Israelites, when Hebrew people look back on their heritage, it's like David, man, he was the king. He's the only king in the history of Israel that's accredited as being like, that is a man after God's own heart. And it's in the Bible, right? So it's not just people are like, man, he really is. Like this is quoted about him in the Bible. So people have been learning this and knowing this for, for years, for centuries, right? Like this is a big deal. David is uh, accredited with writing a significant portion of the Psalms where we get to see just this amazing way of relating to God and this kind of openness where he's expressing all kinds of stuff. He, David is the one who, who shows each of us. So there's this path to express whatever's in here to God and that there's room and place for it. And that becomes really, really powerful. We're still learning from David. David was a difference maker but he didn't start that way. He wasn't always that way, right? David actually starts as someone that no one really thought about. In fact, that's, that's part of the story. David starts as a person that, that is basically seen as like, well, he should just kind of like hang out at home and do chores and that kind of stuff. Like he should take care of things in the background. Like that's who David, David's never seen as someone who is actually going to be this difference maker when you look at the start of his story. And yet he becomes that along the way. So he's this amazing person for us to learn from as we think about where do we start, right? What does this look like for us? And so I, I want to look at David and start with him uh, this morning because, well, he's like me and he's like you. Right? And so let's start there. But as we go there, let me just phrase it, uh, this first thing that I want to challenge us, us with. It's this way. Well, if you want to start now, right? You're looking at like, what difference would God make in me now so that I make, can make a difference in someone's life later? It's this. Let God teach you patience right now. That's the point. Let God teach you patience right now so that you can become the kind of person who makes a difference in the right place at the right time. Right? Let God teach you patience right now so you can become the kind of person who makes a difference in the right place at the right time. Some of you guys, I imagine, are probably sitting in a a work environment where you're just like, I want to make a difference and there's a bunch of things in my way. And you're trying to figure that thing out. Some of you guys are sitting in a household where you're just like, I want things to change. I, like, I would love to make a difference. I would love to, to express love in this way and to, to, for things to change. But there's these obstacles. There's this stuff. There's people. It's complicated. Like, and you're looking at this. Start with patience right now. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I provided for myself a king among his sons. Now, there's a lot of stuff that just happened there that maybe sounds weird. So let me explain. Saul is the king of Israel at this particular point in history. Saul is this guy that everybody would have thought of as a king. He's tall, he's handsome, he seems strong. Like when you close your eyes and you imagine a king, you probably imagine Saul. That's who, who was this leader over Israel. And yet he let out of his insecurities sometimes and he was worried about people pleasing and sometimes that skewed some of his decisions and things. And God essentially looks and he's like, I think it's time to anoint a new king to step in and replace Saul over Israel for some day, right? We need to do that. And so he says, Samuel, Samuel's a prophet, 
of God. He's a prophet, a leader in the nation of Israel. And he basically says, I want you to go to the house of this guy named Jesse. Jesse's from Bethlehem, just like Jesus was from Bethlehem, right? Same place. And he says, I want you to go to the house of Jesse. And I want you to essentially look at all of his sons, like line them all up, like some kind of weird picking teams for kickball, whatever that's going to be, line them all up. And and then the Lord's going to show you like, this is going to be the future king of Israel. And then you're going to anoint him with oil. That's why it says, fill your horn with oil. It's not some weird metaphor or anything. He literally would have filled a horn with oil and would have anointed the king like the next person with that oil. So that's what he's doing. That's all this passage is, is really getting at. Uh, and, and that's what's going on. So Samuel goes to Jesse's house. And when he goes to Jesse's house, they line up all the sons. And one of the sons' name is Eliab. And he, Samuel looks at him and he essentially is like, this is the guy. Like he walks, you know, looks at all of them, scans down the list or whatever, the line, and is just like, that's the guy. It's got to be the guy. And it's because it says he's handsome and he's strong, kind of like Saul. As like Saul, the, you know, he's handsome, he's strong, he's powerful. That guy looks like a difference maker, right? Like of all the people in this room, if there's someone who's going to make a difference, it's, it's that guy. And that's who he thinks it's going to be. First Samuel 16, 7, it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I've rejected him, meaning that's not the guy. For the Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. I want to read that verse and that part of the story to you, because I actually take a little bit of solace. Like I have a little bit of comfort in the fact that Samuel, like this great prophet of God over the nation of Israel, sometimes sees people the way we see people, Right? Where you just look and you're like, that guy, he is strong and powerful and capable and the way he talks, like, man, he is going to be, that is a difference maker. And then God looks and goes, nope. And, and he just is like, guys, you're looking at all the stuff on the outside of somebody and he's like, what I really want, you know what a real difference maker is? is it's, it's somebody who within their own heart has the heart of a difference maker. It's not that they look like the most polished and accomplished person that, that's, you know, everyone's just going to naturally respect because of their looks and charm and all the things. No, it's, it's that they have the heart of a difference maker. And you know what I love about that? I love that a great leader can miss that just like we can sometimes. I I know, but I have a little bit of comfort in that. It means there's some room for us to mess up and try again. That's okay. But I, I also just love that that means you or I can be a difference maker too, right? If you're not the person that your whole life, everybody's grown up and pointed at you and been like that guy, that girl though, right? Like you, you are gonna be this person because of all of the things. Like, that's okay. It doesn't matter. The real question, the real metric is like, do you have the heart of a difference maker? Are you a person that, that has this in them? Do you want to trust God in, with people in your life to love them as Christ has loved you? And you know what makes the heart of a difference maker? Well, Jesus does, doesn't he? And if he has loved you, then what's the great commandment to go and love people the way that he's loved you? Take that transformed heart and keep loving people forward with this thing. Like you, friends, are a difference maker. And I just wanted to share that with you. I do. Uh, I, I think it's a big deal. So he walks the line up and something's wrong. He gets to the end and is like, wait, something's missing here because he's still holding his horn full of oil and he hasn't used it yet. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 11. So Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? Right? Did you invite everybody? <laughs> is this everyone? Because something's not right. And then he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's out keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, we'll send and get him for we're not going to sit down until he comes here. Did you not get my email? Like, did you not get the invite, you guys? They're all supposed to be here. Like, why would you leave one out tending the sheep, right? And so he sent and he brought him in and he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome and 
The Lord said, arise and anoint him for this is he. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And I love the way that passage ends. It's like, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David as though like empowered David, like was with David from that day forward. And you're like, things are moving. Things are going up. And it's easy to just keep reading and miss what just happened. Guys, David didn't get invited to the lineup. Think about that. That'll put you in counseling. Seriously, think about your own house. I'm serious. Think about your household. Like if you're, if your parents ever were like, so something really significant is going to come or they're going to pick somebody who they think is really going to be a difference maker in our house. But like you, if you could just stay outside and play with the dog, that'd be great. Right? Like this isn't, I, I know we just kind of gloss over this. This is actually a big deal. David didn't even get picked for the lineup. And I want you to know that. Because David, the great king of Israel, David, the great difference maker throughout Jewish history, David, this prolific figure in the Bible, David wasn't seen as a potential difference maker by his own family, the people who knew him most, which means there's so much room for me and you guys. Like there just is like you, even if you, you're like, I don't know, I've never really been much of anything. Well, good. You're, you're, you sound great for the job based on this whole thing. Like if you're like, yeah, well, nobody really thought I would amount to anything. I'm like, you sound just like David. He did awesome things. There's so much room here for this. Do you see this? You are a difference maker. There's way more latitude than what you think. And it's because it's about what's in here. It's about what God has done in here and wants to do through you in this world around you. And then it says, and I love it, right? That, okay, so now they figured this whole thing out and the spirit of the Lord rushes upon David and is with him from that day forward. And we read these things and we go, oh man, that's awesome. And now the good, now all this great stuff's about to happen. And it doesn't, you know what, you know what's crazy? David just found out he's going to be the future king. Can you imagine what that moment would have been like? What that moment would have felt like knowing that having this like anchor leader, this major leader, this prophet of Israel come and say this, it's actually going to be you. And this is, this is true for your future. And then do you know how long he had to wait before he, had, he became king from this moment? Historians estimate it's roughly 15 years. Remember where you were 15 years ago? I just, some of you, I'm gonna be, you're going to be lost the rest of this talk because you're not going to remember. You're going to be searching this out. Do you remember who you were 15 years ago? It's probably different, right? And I don't care how old you are in that. We learn so much along the way and we grow and we change. 15 years ago, there's a different version of you that would be sitting in a chair right now, right? Like even in this moment, 15 years is a long time for a lot of things to happen. And that's in our culture. Average lifespan, I think of an American male is what, somewhere like, I don't know, 73 to 82, depending on who's doing the research when and how that all shakes out. Uh, something like that, Right? In this culture, do you know what the average lifespan of a male was? 40. 40. So think of how long 15 years was. 15 years is almost half your life, you guys. So that is a long time in their perspective in this particular era to wait, right? That's a long time to wait. But I think this is a really big deal because the truth is, is if David is going to be the kind of difference maker of a king that he's ultimately going to become, he's going to need to learn what it means to be patient along the way. Because patient people make great leaders and patient people make great difference makers. Leads to wise decisions. It leads to trusting others. It leads to opening ourselves up to where people are and what they are. And those moments, we don't just, like patient people make great difference makers. You know, I got hired here at Casas as a youth pastor when I was 25. 
and I was fresh out of uh, Bible school, more or less, um, and had just gotten you know my degree and had studied you know biblical languages and and theology and church histories and doctrine and systematic theology, all this stuff. And so I I was at what I call my who's coming with me phase of life, which is essentially like okay I've learned a bunch of stuff let's go fix the whole world and the whole church and everything right now who's coming with me like that's that's how I thought about it. Uh, at that point in time, right? And so I got hired here at Casas and I was just like, I have all these ideas and I have all these thoughts and there's all this stuff that needs to change. And why hasn't anybody fixed that problem? And why is our church wrestling with this? We should be doing this. And why aren't like all these things? Have you ever been that person like in your family or your company or whatever, right? Where you're, you're just like, you're that person is like, I think I know what we should all be doing right now. Like that was me at that point in time. I found myself in meetings um, where I was with like other pastors and leaders and uh, you know, I had all this zeal and just hadn't learned what it was like to be a leader yet. And I, I'm in these meetings and this thought keeps coming into my head over and over again. And sometimes it would actually leave my mouth. And it was, why is this taking so long? That was the thought that was in my head. I'd just be like, why is this? Why aren't we doing the thing? Why aren't we changing that? Why aren't we fixing that? Why is this taking so long? Why, why is that happening? What, why aren't we doing? Like I had all of these things in my head and sometimes I would vocalize those things actually aloud in meetings and I was impatient and all this stuff. And there was this pastor on staff. His name was Jerry Wilkinson. I love Jerry. Because after some of those meetings, when I first started here, Jerry would just go walking through the offices and he'd swing by my office and he'd step in and he'd go, Ryan, we need to go to lunch. And not like, Ryan, we need to go to lunch. Very warmly, he'd be like, Ryan, we need to go to lunch. But he knew what he was doing. And he'd invite me to lunch and then we'd go sit down and, and I'd begin talking and 45 minutes later, I'd stop. Or I'd be like this and that and these things. I'm thinking about this and all this. And I just dump all this stuff out on a table. And then Jerry did this really amazing thing for me where he'd, he'd just sit there and kind of quietly and then he'd go, well, Ryan, I think what you need to know is, and then, and then he'd start to zoom out of whatever it is we're in and he'd start to paint the larger story of this church and what was happening and the different people that were in this church and, and the different leaders and some of the things that they were facing and some of the different, like just issues that even people in the congregation were wrestling with and, and what it meant to love them and, and how that was moving and working and how we were all trying to partner together. It's like he, he suddenly painted out, there's this larger story that you're not seeing, right? And you're actually a part of it. And it was like an invitation to step into that story. And in the meantime, he's like, and just be patient. Just be patient. I learned so much patience from Jerry Wilkinson. And can I be honest with you? I wish I could tell you I had one lunch with him. I had lots of lunches with him, you guys. I did. Patience has never been my strong suit. Can you tell by my rate of speech? Like, it's not usually the thing that I'm great at. I, I just, it's something I, I've learning. I was learning with him. And to be honest, I'm still at this moment in time learning in this life, right? But I love that he did that for me because it helped me step in. And instead of saying, well, it ought to be and this ought to, I, I just found myself going, man, how do I step into this and be patient and partner? How do I step into this and with patience just come alongside what does this look like for me? And I share this with you because I can't help but wonder how many of you guys find yourself in similar places. Maybe you are in a job right now and you feel stuck, right? And you just feel like there's someone in my way, like where it's just like, I can't do what I want to do or lead the way I want to lead or operate the way I want to operate because this person is here in a position or maybe their strategy or maybe the things they're doing. And there's some part of you that's like, I want my job to matter. I want to be a difference maker, but for whatever reason, I can't right now. And I, I just wonder if this is your season to learn a little bit of patience while God grows something in you so that when the right moment to make the right difference at the right time comes along, you're the right person to step in for the job. 
And I learned some of these things through Jerry, and I forget some of these things and get reminded periodically. I wonder if for you guys, maybe you're in a family where you look at other people in your family and you're like, well, I I just need that to change. And I want to be a difference maker in this person's life. And that person in your family isn't sharing your same time and agenda. And they look and they're like, but it's my life. And I have my own partnership with God and he's doing his own thing in my story. And you keep trying to push and steer this thing around and you feel like it's a roadblock. And I'm just telling you, what if it's your season to learn patience? And to just grow in whatever that is for you. Take in all that you possibly can so that when God leads them to the right place, you're the right person at the right time to partner in the right moment, right? And make that difference that's yours to make. And I just think that that's huge. I used to hate this. Can I tell you why I hated this? It's because I always thought that patience was just waiting around. That's what, when people are like, you just need to learn patience. I'd be like, well, okay. All right, I'm done. Like that's, that's how I felt about learning patience. Like it's just waiting around. Guys, patience isn't waiting around, right? Patience isn't a waste of your time until you get to the time that actually matters. Patience is the time that you have to learn everything you possibly can until you arrive at the place where it's yours to step into. Do you see? Patience is purposeful. And then I just would say, for those of you guys that feel stuck, what if this is your season to learn? For those of you guys that feel like you can't move something along or you can't love something forward because it's not the right time right now, what is there that God wants to show and teach you and build up in you that you can learn as you continue to just wait with patience to love that person forward and whatever this thing means for you, right? Patience is absolutely powerful. If you want to stand in this truth that you are a difference maker and you don't know what to do, start by letting it develop some patience in you and just keeping your eyes open and learning all you can right now. And then here's what I believe, and this is gonna lead us to point two. I believe that God is alive and that he's with you. I believe that God is leading you and at some point in time, he's actually gonna open your eyes to moments and opportunities and that there's gonna be some opportunity to move from a place of patience to some type of action. And what I wanna challenge you with is in that moment, and this brings us to the second thing, is if you want to make a difference in the future, then let God stretch your faith right now, right? Most of the time when we step in to to actually be a difference maker, even on a small level, there's a stretch of our faith. We haven't done that before. We, We haven't partnered in that same way, whatever it is. And so there's some act of trusting God of being like, God, I know you want me to love people and I know you want me to love this person and step in and I don't know how to do that or I haven't done this before. So I'm, I'm gonna step in. You don't know what you're doing, but you're trusting his story, right? You're trusting him for it. Let him stretch that faith in you now because as you go, what you're gonna find is that when you stretch faith, it doesn't shrink back. It just keeps expanding, right? The more times you stretch that, the more you look back and you're like, I remember when God came through here. And I remember when I stood in his story here. And I remember when I stepped out here and what ends up happening is it becomes like this life, this proof text of like, Christ is actually with me and he's actually doing stuff. And that empowers you for each leg of the journey for each moment. Let him stretch your faith. You know, I love the story of David and Goliath. I have. And I know everybody knows that story. It seems like whether you've grown up in church or not, like people just be like, yeah, you know, when that little boy, like, Killed that giant. That's, that's usually how that goes, right? Like, I know what that story is. And, and I used to love it because I grew up hearing it in Sunday school or different things. I've realized over time, there's so much depth to this story. There's so much happening in the story of, of David and Goliath. And I think it pertains to this idea of, of stretching our faith a little bit here. And so I want to unpack some of that. I say that because this is a big story and I don't have the ability or time to read all of it. So 
Go to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and read it. Like, study it. Go look. I love this story. And know that I'm going to highlight some key passages and some moments here as we walk through to try to capture some of what we see in David here. Right? So basically what you have is you have these two armies that are opposing each other. Right? You have the Israelite army on one side of this valley. You have the Philistine army, which is the, the enemy, ancient enemy of Israel at this point in time, on the other side of the valley. And, and they're, they're opposing each other and they're going to war. Like that's what this is. And each day there's this larger than life Philistine guy named Goliath. We're talking like Andre the giant size, but a little bit bigger, right? Like that type of huge human. Just impressive, massive a man. And he uh, essentially has, you know, walks out into the middle of the battlefield or the front of the battlefield with his armor and his, his impressive weaponry and all of this stuff. And he starts shouting a challenge at the nation of Israel. And this is what it says. First Samuel chapter 17, beginning at verse eight. He, Goliath, stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Calling out the king of Israel right here. So what he's looking at is he's basically saying like, Saul, I'm here. Where are you? Choose a man for yourselves. Let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And then verse 11. And when Saul... And all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. You guys need to know that when Goliath stands and says, I defy the ranks of Israel this day, what he's actually saying is, there is no strength in any one of you or in all of you or in the nation of Israel that is stronger than me. And and when he says this, this isn't like formal language. They're hurling insults. Like this is goading them out and chastising them. Like this is, that's what this is. And so when he yells this, he's basically saying, there is no strength in Israel that is stronger than me. I'm standing here. Where are you? And then what does he do? He specifically calls out the king's name. He says, where are you? Saul, right? What are you doing? Because in this situation where Goliath walks out, whose responsibility would it have been to go and, and face Goliath? It would have either been one of their champions or the king himself, right? Like there's this, this representation of battle and armies. And so there's this challenge to Saul. And so what happens is Saul is, is entrusted more or less with this opportunity. And I know this is a weird way to look at it, but this is actually how the story is constructed. Saul has this opportunity in front of him to trust the larger story. Think back on this. Way back in Genesis chapter 12, God went to a man named Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel. And he says, Abraham, I want to use you and your descendants through you to become a blessing to the whole world. Your nations are going to grow as numerous as the stars in the sky. And through you, the entire world will come to be blessed. And it's this promise that God makes to Abraham. So there's this larger story that's been being told through the Israelite people all the way up into this point. Do you see this? So when Saul, as the king, as the representative of Israel, goes and he stands before the Philistine army, he's not just standing in the here and now. He's standing in a larger story that God is with them, that God is guiding them, and their story doesn't end here because they're going to become a blessing to the whole world with descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. This is the promise. This is the story, Saul. And Saul's opportunity is to wrestle with that and somehow find his faith so that he can step into that larger story but he struggles with it. It says that he struggles with it and the whole nation struggles with it for 40 days. Now pause. Anytime you're reading your Bible and you come across the word 40, I want you to pause. 40, we think of things very uh, like modern in our heads, a very modern way of thinking where we think like numbers are very specific. So it's exactly 40 days and here's how this works. 
For the Hebrew mind, the word 40 equates to testing and trial. Anytime you read the word 40 in your Bible, I want you to trigger the word in your brain. Just practice it. Testing. When you read 40, testing. After all, how many years did the Israelites wander in the wilderness? 40 years, right? How many days was Jesus tested in the wilderness, tempted by the devil traditionally, right? How how many days? 40 days, yeah? See, when you read 40, those are just two examples. Your Bible's actually littered with them. There's tons of these these moments. It's trying to articulate something really powerful in the story. This was an opportunity for Saul to wrestle with something. This was an opportunity to learn, to grow, to endure, to persevere, to do something with this thing. But that's not what happens in the story. What you see is you see David show up on the scene. This very young person and basically say, his, his phrase that he's famous for is like, why are we letting this Philistine shout at us and defy the armies of the living God? David, a kid, comes and reminds them, guys, God is alive and there's a larger story that's very alive and with us and in us. Why are we letting this guy run the show? Why are we hiding in fear? Why has no one stepped out? Put me in, coach. I'll do it. Right? This is what David does. And this is a great gift. He reminds the people in this moment of like, remember the story? Guys, remember what God is doing? There's this larger piece. Peace. Find our faith and stand in that. And so David steps out. And you start to see this comparison between him and Saul. That Saul goes, well, wear all of my armor and, and take my sword and my shield. Those are all the things Saul should have been wearing. And David says, that's not mine. I haven't tried this or tested this. Just give me my sling. Do you know, even a sling, Paul was a Benjamite. The Benjamites were famous for their use of sling. It's part of their tradition. So even when David takes a sling into battle, it's representative of the weapon Saul would have been best with. And David walks out and he says, no, I'll remind the people. I'll step into this larger thing. I'll let God stretch my faith. And step into this moment of discomfort because there's a larger story we're all a part of. And I think this is my opportunity right now. And he does. And moments later, Goliath is dead on the ground, hit by the head with a stone slung from David's sling. Friends, if you want to make a difference in the future, then let God stretch your faith in the here and now. There's going to come a moment where it's not necessarily yours to just sit and be patient and wait. There's going to come a moment with an opportunity to step in. And in that moment, what I want us to be sensitive to is that there's a larger story being told that you are actually a part of. Live the story. Don't just get lost in your moment. Live the story. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, right? To love us in this amazing way. Live the story. Live the love that's inside of you. Live the love that wants to move beyond you. Live the love that wants to make its way into the larger world so that the whole world can be reminded of a God who's loved them all along. Live the story and let that anchor your faith. We always think of faith in the same way, like this moment of like, no, it's courage. Courage is when you essentially rise up to face your fear, to step into the fear of something that would have ordinarily left you like running or hiding. Faith, though, I think is different. Faith is when you recognize there's a larger story being told that I'm a part of and I step in and I trust it. God is doing something here, so I trust it. God is leading me here, so I trust him. I know that this isn't my last moment, that I'm a part of something larger than this and I wanna do my part by stepping into that thing. There's something about faith that's an invitation into the larger story God's been telling again and again and again. Trust the story. Why? Well, because you are a difference maker. You are each and every one of you guys, there are people in your life that are yours to love and uniquely yours. And not as this kind of pressure, so do it or you're a bad person. No, because they're there. Because you care about them. Because you found yourself in your workspace or your homes or your families or your friendships or your moments with people. And you look around and you're like, that person matters. Because they matter to God and they matter to me. And I, 
I want to love them. I want to be a difference maker in their life. Well, okay, cool. Start with patience. Because we don't get to control when people change or not or those types of things. Let God partner with you in that particular moment because it's his timing in their life, right? Start with patience. But when there's moments that you finally get where you can step in and say, oh, I think I want to step in to make a difference there. Or I think we as a church want to step in to make a difference here. Let God stretch your faith. And that may not be the ultimate moment of making a difference, but it may just be you learning and stepping in and just expanding what God can do and is doing in you and through you. And that becomes a powerful way to live your life. Because there's so many people in this city, in this nation, in our households, in our workplaces that I just think about. And I'm like, man, I would love for them to know what unconditional love actually is like. I would love for them to know that grace isn't just like a cool thing we say, but that grace is actually an anchor for our very lives. I would love people to know that Christ is this thing that, that grounds us and leads us and guides us and is alive in and through us that makes all the difference in a life. I would love them to know because it has transformed my life and made such a big difference. I just, I want the same thing. Who is that for you? Right? Who is there that's in your life? I want to ask you a question. If your life is a part of God's story to love the world the way that Christ has loved you, what moment would you step into that perhaps you just haven't been? Maybe you haven't wanted to see it. Maybe you've been ignoring it. Maybe you thought that belongs to a different, another difference maker somewhere. I don't know. What's God doing in your heart? Who is there in your life, right? What's that moment for you? And the second question is this. If, if your life is a part of God's story to love the world the way that Christ has loved you, then who is there in your life that perhaps you just haven't been seeing? And I'm not saying like that you're completely unaware of. I, I mean that you haven't really seen. They're there. You're aware of them, but you haven't opened your eyes and your heart to just say, I see you, I love you. I'm gonna care about you in this particular moment. Who is that for you? And I don't know where those questions will lead you, but I know that God is with you as you do. And until you figure out what later means and looks like for you, until you figure out the difference maker that you are and what God wants to do through you, whether the little smallest of things or the largest of things, start with patience. Learn all that you can. When the moment arises, lean into faith, let him stretch you where you are. And I just believe that there's gonna be amazing opportunities to love people right where they are as you partner with God in their lives. And I think that's the church at its absolute best. It's good to be with you, friends. You are loved and you are a difference maker. Let's pray. God, we love you. We do, we thank you. And I thank you that you use us to make a difference in people's lives. I do. I just thank you that the love in us doesn't stay put. <laughs> I thank you that it moves and, and grows. And I just, I pray that you give us sensitivity to that. Give us courage. Give us faith, Lord. God, open our eyes to just the people maybe in our lives that are our difference to make. God, and for those of us that feel stuck right now, maybe there's a kind of difference that we feel like we're supposed to make, but we're not there. Or it's just not on the table right now. Teach us patience, Lord. Help us to learn and grow. And, and as we do, give us wisdom. Guide us forward, even in the here and now. And God, give us a sensitivity when the moments arise, the people arise in our lives to love them just like you do. We want the world to know you and love you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.